Well, good morning, everyone. Happy New Year's Eve. It's good to be here with you all as we close out together the old year and welcome in the new year. And uh, we just came off of Christmas, and Christmas is a time of gift giving. And, you know, COVID is the great giver. And unfortunately, it hit my household, and uh, for some reason, I have been spared, so I'm here with you. You know, uh, pastor's nightmare is to get a call from a colleague the night before and say, I'm sick. And so Pastor Ben and Pastor Eric are happy that I am standing here being able to give the message. Now, recently I got an invitation in my email that 2024 will be my 50th high school class reunion. So can you believe that? It just seemed like yesterday that I was in high school. Not. (laughs) I'm definitely getting older, and as my kids remind me every day, I'm ancient. Thinking back to those days entering high school, many of you agree with me that it was both exciting and also honestly anxious times. Exciting because moving on to high school meant a brand new start, at least from the outside. No more nerdy eyeglasses but contact lenses, braces were coming off, Hair was just not cut, but it's styled now. Dressed in the latest, coolest fashions, and that meant in my neighborhood back in the day, it was Chuck Taylor, all-star, high tops, um, 501 jeans, and I don't know if you recall these kind of clothing, but derby jackets, which is something that was very popular in the San Francisco area. On the other hand, those were very anxious times because the insecurities that you had internally have not gone away. And now you're a small fish in a bigger pond. Brand new starts, brand new beginnings. For the last month, we've been in a series about the gifts of Christmas and more specifically the three gifts of the Magi. And last week on Christmas Eve, we all learned about the wonderful gift of Jesus. But gift giving is not just reserved for Christmas time. But anytime, the God we follow is a generous God who blesses us all year round with the gift of new beginnings. No matter where you have been, where you're at now, you have the chance to start over, to have a second chance, to begin afresh with God's help. Maybe 2023 was a tough year for some of you, full of disappointments, falling short of other people's expectations, ongoing heartache and loss, trials, and hardships. To say the least, for many of us here, being one year older is showing its effects on our bodies. The good news is the new year will be a chance to have a new beginning for us individually and together as a church if we remain in Jesus and he remains in us. God's new beginnings, however, are not the kind the world will give. Doesn't mean you will be richer, get that ideal job, become healthier or smarter. Instead, you can become radically changed more into the likeness of Jesus. Gain a perspective that overcomes anything this world can throw at you. So before I bring this morning's word, let me pray for us to prepare for this time. Heavenly Father, we praise you for being our good Father who loves his children dearly and extravagantly gives us precious gifts. You are slow to anger, patient, and ready to forgive. 
You are the God of new beginnings. Help us to hear, see, know what you want us to experience today. Transform us through your word that never returns void. Show us the way to wholeness and peace through your son, Jesus. Mold us, shape us to be more like him in word and deed each and every day. May the words of my mouth and meditations of my heart be pleasing to you. I pray this in the most precious name of Jesus. Amen. Um, Thinking back, I've had many new beginnings in my life. And one new beginning was when I started my practice and years later becoming bifocational when I was called into church ministry. A new beginning was when I got married. Another becoming first-time homeowners. And definitely a new beginning was when I became a parent, a father for the first time. And new beginnings do not mean your life will get easier. Actually, life can get more complicated and sacrifice will be required. For sure, that's my experience with my life changes I just listed. Now, I'm not sure if God had a hand in any of these new beginnings. That's something I'll have to ask him when I see him in heaven. But one new beginning I definitely know God had a big part in was when he answered my desperate prayer to save me in the summer of 1982. And subsequently, I devoted my life to Christ. And God showed up in real time on that day to let me know that he is the God of new beginnings. One moment, I felt life life was not worth living. The next, I experienced tremendous joy. My encounter with God changed me to have a peace that continues to sustain me today, even in the midst of suffering as a follower of Jesus Christ. Today, we are going to look at, the, at this attribute of our God who offers second chances, fresh starts, new beginnings to anyone who desires them and sees the kingdom of God more precious than this world. So if you have your Bibles, and I'm sure it's going to be shown behind me, let's turn our Bibles to 2 Corinthians 5, and starting with verse 1. For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are here in this tent, we groan and are burdened because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God, who has given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Skipping down to verse 14, for Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he, he being Jesus, died for all. That those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and and was raised again. From these verses that I just read, I see God's new beginnings start with resurrection. Verse 15 tells us Jesus died for all. And last week, Pastor Steve told us that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. Jesus had to die on a cross to pay the ransom for mankind's sins against God. Jesus' shedding of blood was his gift for all of us. Not just to the Jews, 
but to the Gentiles too. So that means everyone, which thankfully includes you and me. But just as important, verse 15 continues to tell us that Jesus was raised again. And we know this as his resurrection, which in a few months we will celebrate on Easter. So why is this so critical? Why is it so important to know, to appreciate that Jesus was raised again? Well, Jesus' resurrection is the foundation that our Christian faith stands on. There must not be any deviation or disbelief from this truth. Jesus' resurrection is not a fairy tale, a myth, a rumor, an abstract concept, but a real-life eyewitness event. Resurrection is a key to eternal life for all believers and is a distinctive of the Christian faith. Now, I'm going to kind of go a little down here. I'll be a little morbid. I know this is something we don't usually think about when we're young, but at my age, when I realize the days ahead of me are short and the days behind me were long, death is the great equalizer. No matter how rich or popular you are, how smart or successful you become, you could be living in the best neighborhoods, be the most physically fit. One thing I can say for sure, you will die. In the sport of baseball, a batting average over 300 is pretty good. Well, Father Time is batting 1,000. Earlier, I noted that as we age, our bodies will have aches and pains that we did not have when we were younger. So those of you who are under 30 in this room, your day is going to come. <laughs> Matter of fact, the Apostle Paul in verse 4 wrote how as humans we are groaning in our earthly tents longing to be in our heavenly dwellings built by God. But here's good news. As followers of Jesus Christ, we have a great hope that our physical death is not our finality. We know that at the end, we will be raised from the dead and have a new beginning in heaven. And it's not me making this up. This is Jesus promising we will not die if we believe in him. In John 11, Jesus performed a miracle by raising his friend Lazarus back to life after being dead for four days. And if you recall, Lazarus had two sisters, the famous Mary and Martha tandem. When Jesus came into town, when he heard that his friend Lazarus had died, the grieving sister, Martha, came to meet him. And Jesus comforted her with these words. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? And that's from John 11, verses 25 to 26. Here, Jesus was claiming to be the source of both resurrection and life. There is no resurrection separate from Jesus, and there is no eternal life separate from Jesus. If Jesus is life, he can create life. He can restore life. Because Jesus himself was resurrected, he has victory over death. Now, I want to make this very clear, that the life that Jesus is promising is not physical, but spiritual. Those who believe in him will share his triumph over physical death. 
Having the spiritual life Jesus gives, it is impossible for earthly death to defeat Christ's followers. And at the end of verse 26 in John 11, Jesus tested Martha's faith by asking her, do you believe? And without hesitation, Martha said, yes, Lord. So I turn to you now. Do you believe? Do you believe this or not? That Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And if you say you believe this, do you take the next step and live your life reflecting this belief? Some here, I guess, may be actually ignoring or even running away from Jesus' invitation to follow him. Your life is good. And you're thinking, why do I need Jesus? Why do I have to give up the things of this world that I want, but instead serve God and please him? Why do that? And here's something to consider. You can't outrun death. Jesus is promising us whoever lives by believing in him will never die. And this belief is more than just head knowledge. It must be reflected in our words and our deeds and has to be affirmed by others. Others have to be able to see this in you. Jesus is promising us whoever believes in him will not die. I'm going to ask kind of a dumb question right now. Has anyone here experienced death? Unless you had a first-hand experience, I can't imagine how you would know how it feels to die. And if you have, I'd love to talk to you afterwards. From what I've observed with dying people, there's usually a whole lot of discomfort, likely a whole lot of pain. Dying is usually not very pleasant. And if Jesus is offering a better ending to the human fate of death, why would anyone rationally refuse to take him up on this offer? And some of you are wondering, how can someone receive this power of resurrection? 2 Corinthians 5, verses 16 to 17, the Apostle Paul gives us the answer. Verse 16, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. There's a changing of mindset and perspective here. Verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. Paul is saying that God's new beginnings start with rebirth. Apparently, there's a before and after. Verse 17 tells us that a new creation comes into existence if someone is in Christ. This new beginning starts with what Jesus called being born again. The old is gone and the new is here. Now, rebirth was was what Jesus was talking about in John 3, chapter 3, when Jesus met with a Pharisee named Nicodemus who asked him, how can a man be reborn again? Now, although Nicodemus was a prominent, devoted Jewish leader, he was seeking something far better in in the Christian faith. Verse 5, Jesus answered Nicodemus, Verily, truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, 
but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. Now Nicodemus in his seeking mode asked what I would consider a very simple question. In return, Jesus responded to him with kind of a confusing answer. So what's born of water and the spirit all about? What does that mean? Well, here's two possibilities. First interpretation is that a person can have two births. First humanly born, then they are spiritually born. First birth is by a human mother, and water being the amniotic fluid that a baby is floating in before birth. And the second birth is spiritual, where the spirit, and we look at the, um, the word in the, in the verse, capital S indicates Holy Spirit, gives birth to little s, spirit, which is the reborn person. So the first birth is of the human origin, and the second birth, the rebirth, is spiritual. And that's the first interpretation. A second meaning is this. Rebirth involves a spiritual washing by the Holy Spirit. The water and the spirit are one and the same. The Holy Spirit is referred to in the Bible as living water. We see that in John 7. And water represents cleansing or purifying. So the Holy Spirit, as living water, purifies or washes a person from their sins so that they can then be born again. I want to point out here that being born of water does not mean water baptism is required for salvation. That salvation is only being in Christ and being reborn through the Spirit. Being baptized doesn't give salvation. When people are born again by the Spirit or washed by the Holy Spirit, Jesus is in them and they are in Jesus. As a result, according to Jesus from John 3, verse 5, they can now enter into the kingdom of God. Being born again means there's a before you and an after you. You can't fake it. Only God's supernatural power can change you. And the world around you will know this radical change to be true. God's new beginnings start with resurrection, rebirth, and lastly, reconciliation. 2 Corinthians 5 continues with verses 6 to 10. Therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So we make it our our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Continuing with verse 18. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, 
be reconciled to God. When we are reborn, there is a before and after. With the help of the Holy Spirit, we are changed people. A new creation in Christ that should be noticed by others. And this transformation is demonstrated in our attitude and countercultural perspective. Verse 7 tells us that we, are, that we now live by faith and no longer by sight. That we do not solely depend on our skills or our own logic, but by trusting through faith in God. And verse 9, we no longer live for our purposes, but for God's purposes, to please him and not ourselves. According to verse 10, Paul warns us that there will be a day of judgment for the things we do on earth. And if we choose to live by our purposes, there will be a penalty to be paid. But you know, our God loves us so much that he has a get-out-of-jail-free card in his son Jesus. Verse 19 tells us we are reconciled to God if we have Jesus on our side. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. And this is important to remember. Not counting people's sins against them. That is a very important, very precious gift that God gives us. That he does not count people's sins against them if you have Christ in you. Reconciliation is a restoration of relationship. And in this context, the restoration of a broken relationship with God due to our unholiness called sins. And when we are born in Christ, Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit as a deposit, which is stated in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 5, to transform us into his image. So when God looks at us, he doesn't see our unholiness, but instead he sees the holiness of his son Jesus. And according to verse 20, as new creations in Christ, we have a new purpose in life as reconciled people. For the world to see us as his representatives, or in Paul's words, ambassadors for Christ. The college that I attended here locally has a rally cry that goes like this. You know it. You tell the story. Tell the whole world this is beer territory. I cleaned it up a little bit. <laughs> well, as Christ's ambassadors, that's our God-given purpose here too. You know it. You tell the story. You tell the whole world this is God's territory. And here's a challenge question for all of us to consider. If you follow Jesus, how are you being faithful to this purpose of being Christ's ambassadors? Do people hear about Jesus in your word and deed? Or do they know more about where you were, the car you drive, or the places you vacation? When people outside of the faith look at you, do they see Jesus? At a recent um, gathering of my friends, we had one unchurched couple. And one of my friends asked the group this question after dinner in our dessert time, how do you hear from God? And some of us, since we are believers, answered, we hear God through the Bible, from the counsel of other Christians, and through his creation, like in nature. 
Uh, my friend then turned to our non-believing friend and point blank asked him, have you seen anything God has done in your life? And how my friend answered broke my heart. My unchurched friend said he did not see anything in his life that God had done for him. In the world's eyes, my friend is successful, materially set, a good person in people's opinion. But he denied seeing God's grace in his life. In his eyes, he had to work hard for everything good in his life. And nobody else helped him, especially God. But, and this is a big but, whether you are a believer or not, we all live under what is called the general grace of God. Our God is slow to anger, patient and compassionate. Every person enjoys this general grace here on earth. Even evil people in this world are allowed to enjoy their spoils for now. For my non-believing friend, he doesn't, he doesn't realize the blessing of delayed judgment has granted everyone. But as Apostle Paul reminds us in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 10, Judgment day is coming for all of us. And the only thing that will spare us from God's penalty for our unholiness is our relationship with his son, Jesus. To believe in Jesus as the son of God, to ask for forgiveness of your sins, reconciles you back to God. Last week, we asked you to take home that candlelight to remind you of someone you would like to share the good news of Jesus with in this coming year. My hope is that you will take this challenge seriously as God's ambassadors. Otherwise, can you truly say you are a Christian? And for those who have not made this decision to follow Jesus yet, you can receive God's resurrection power now, which will reap immediate benefits for you. You don't have to wait till you die to be blessed with a new beginning just like 40 years ago when I turned my life over to Jesus and was born again. God is waiting patiently for you to be reconciled back to him. When we are growing up, going back to school in the fall was exciting. New clothes, new friends. If you messed up learning the three R's, reading, writing, arithmetic, the previous year, you had a clean slate a new beginning. As the new year approaches, this is a traditional time to self-reflect, to make resolutions to become better people and hopefully better followers. I don't know what the future holds for you, but as the saying goes, I know the one who holds the future. And if you messed up in any way, we have a God of new beginnings. God lovingly gives the gift of new beginnings that also start with the three R's. Resurrection, rebirth, reconciliation. May 2024 be a year you experience all three to the fullest. So let's pray. Heavenly Gracious Father, thank you for giving us the opportunity for new beginnings that comes through your son Jesus. Bless each person here. Some who may be struggling in some way in some area of their life that you already know. Help them through the Holy Spirit to receive healing 
more joy, more love, more peace that only you can give. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. And I pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.